Podcast. I'm Steve Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Andrew Brooker. Evening, boys. Hello. As we bring back the podcast for the first time in however long. <laughs> 2019, <laughs> I think, was the last time we did anything. Yeah. Together, bit, I mean. Yeah. 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 So, yes, and you've, you've brought us back here on a cold Wednesday night. You're p- absolutely pissing yeah. it down outside as well. I was yeah. a bit worried that because it was very stormy that that's all you would hear. You wouldn't hear me at all. Uh, <laughs> you just hear that the pitter patter of I, I mean, we we got wind down here as well. It was it was very much I was scared it was going to be like Wizard of Oz outside. Yeah. Mm. Yes, it is that kind of weather. It's cold. It is wet. Can't put your heating on because it's too expensive. No, it's too fucking expensive. So we're just going to have to <laughs> shiver. And <laughs> try try and do whatever we I did am, before. I can't even remember. I'm sat with a very very warm hoodie on. It is lovely over here. Who mm. needs heating? Who needs just heating? Set, just set fires or something. <laughs> <laughs> no one reads. No one reads books anymore. Just chuck that on. The <laughs> it's very nice to be back. It's fun. I think that because you this 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 isn't the first time Foul Critics has come back. Yeah, did a did a couple in a. a Bit to relaunch. Et tu, Brute. Exactly. <laughs> it could be a it could be a huge clamoring for my return to the world of podcasting after this one goes out. Possibly. Well, you know, we've been wanting your return to podcasting, Steve. Yeah. Well, so so have I, but you know, <laughs> life gets in the way, isn't it? It's very hard to just be on the podcast reviewing films and doing quizzes and all the shambolic shit we used to do on your own. It'd be difficult yeah. to revive that. Yeah. Just, Especially when the reviewing films was the weakest part of my <laughs> contribution. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not for me to say. Um, <laughs> I think um, it was the weakest part of anybody's contribution, wasn't just it? Just the weakest part of the podcast. Yeah. That was like, <laughs> uh, anyway, I think we're going to go straight into a, a quiz, aren't we? Yeah, we'll do the quiz. So, I, I mean, because it's been a long time since we've done this, I guess like a very brief introduction to what we normally do is we have you know new release review right at the end of the podcast that's the last thing we do because it's the last thing that we're actually bothered about before that we do a what we've been watching and before that we're going to do a quiz we've always done a quiz but there's no like booby prize this time do you remember all the shit films that you had yeah. to watch oh, steve brooker kill, Ke- kill right. keith yeah. that was a favorite kill keith <laughs> yeah starring keith chedwin yeah because uh, why not? Yeah. R.I.P.? Is he dead? Keith Chegman? I think he is. Yeah, I think we, he is now. It yeah. seems like the kind of thing that should be double-checked before. Well, I wasn't expecting to bring <laughs> up Keith to be honest. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to bring Keith Chegman up. He did. He, yeah. he is R.I.P. He died in um, <laughs> December 2017. So up, up in up in the naked jungle in the sky. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I have a quiz. Because it's like us coming back in 2022 together the the podcast started in 2012 10 years Jesus. ago that was the first ever episode of the podcast when it was you steve i wasn't involved at all it's me james and <laughs> others yeah yeah it was uh, jerry mccauley of course that's it that's the yeah. one yes um yeah. but so it's 10 years since then so i've done a quiz which is films with sequels that were released 10 or more years since the original 
I thought oh. it was going to be a, a quiz on the science in the film 2012. What was it, 2012? <laughs> yeah. Can neutrinos actually, no. Um, the so, so it's going to be, you know, Steve versus Brooker. There's three questions each. And the tiebreaker, I did remember a tiebreaker in case we get to that point. Well, when we both score, fuck all. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, your first question. Yes. Dumb and Dumber, released in 1994. But what was unusual about the sequel released in 2014? Was it A, they misspelled two in the title, so it was Dumb and Dumber T-O? Was it B, it was the first time Jim Carrey had signed on to do a sequel? Or was it C, in the original, Jim Carrey was called Lloyd and Jeff Daniels was called Harry, but in this film they switched the characters' names around? Because there was two, wasn't there a prequel as well? Yeah, discounting that. Okay, so this is actually... (laughs) This is the sequel to the original, yeah. Uh, Canonically, yeah. I think it's the the intent where they spelt two incorrectly. Well, that wouldn't be unusual because you'd kind of expect it from a film called Dumb and Dumber. But that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you that. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. I did I tried to throw you by saying it was misspelled. Because yeah. it is misspelled if you think yeah. about it. But, but it is said, yeah. yeah. Jim Carrey obviously had he was the only other sequel, I think, famously that he did before this was Ace Ventura 2. And then he was yeah. like, I'm never doing sequels again. Um then he did Sonic 2. And then he did Sonic 2 after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Brooker, your first question. Clerks released 1994 2006 Clerks 2 came out Jesus what is the name of the store that Randall and Dante work at is it A 7-Eleven B The Quick Stop or C Blockbuster Video B straight in there no hesitation on that one (laughs) yeah it was Quick Stop yeah, it was. It was one yeah, because it was. It, didn't didn't they work in the movies in number two? Uh, yeah. So I I put blockbuster video in there to try. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But no, you saw through my ruse. Well done. Congratulations, <laughs> Steve. Spell the title of the film Blade Runner twenty forty nine, complete with correct capitalization and punctuation. So Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Came out 2017. Yeah. So, capital B. Yeah. L-A-D-E. Space. Are you going to tell me if I get it wrong before the end, or are you just going to let me get to I'm the gonna end? I'm going to let you keep going. <laughs> okay. Capital R. U-N-S-E-R. Colon. The numbers. 2049. Is incorrect. There is no colon. No, it's a, <laughs> but you did get Blade Runner correct. And I well, think that's the thing where people, people most fall down and the kind of red herring that I was trying uh, to, yeah. Well, so you don't get a point for that. I'm being very strict. Well, no colour. Steve, mate, that could have been worse because genuinely I was expecting him to go, no, no, if you look at the poster, it's all capitals <laughs> except for the ends. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you did get Blade Runner correct, but yes, it was the numbers that, that met you down. Brooker. Jurassic Park in. 3, it grossed Fucking 368 million at the box office. But how much did Jurassic World make 
in dollars. And it was released 14 years later. Uh, this is according to Wikipedia. Uh, if you can guess within 100 million, I will give you the point. So Jurassic Park 3 was $368 million. Yeah, Jurassic Park 3 had some pretty shitty word of mouth <laughs> pretty quick as well. Uh, it's got to be more. It's got to be, I don't want to overshoot it, uh, 600, 600 mil. It made $1.6 million. Fuck. Billion, billion dollars. <laughs> $1.6 million would have been a massive I, flop. Well, that would have been a bit of a failure, yeah. Yes. Yeah. $1.6 billion. God damn it. Yeah, you were I didn't, I, I, I wanted to, I was going to shoot somewhere between six and 700. I didn't think it made a billion. Mm. It was one of the highest grossing films ever made. Still is, wow. I think. Yeah. Yeah, if it's hit a billion, fucking yeah. hell. So still one all. That tiebreaker might come in handy. <clears throat> uh, Steve. Finding Dory, released in 2016, 13 years after Finding Nemo. But which character has the most followers on Facebook? Is it <laughs> Dory? Is it Nemo? Or is it Crush the Turtle? I crush the Turtle. It's Dory. <laughs> mm. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, is it? Is it interesting? Yeah, I, I do. I really like that we're doing this recording over Zoom where we have cameras because we never used to have cameras. Yeah. And the look of panic on Steve's face was <laughs> outstanding. Yeah. That's all the, the joy that we've missed out on in the past. Uh, Brooker. Yes, sir. Mary Poppins Returns is a film that exists. Apparently, was made in 2018 and absolutely nobody fucking remembers. But I'd love that movie. Do you? Well, maybe you yeah. might know the answer to this then. How many Oscars was it nominated for? Oh, fuck. Was it A, <laughs> zero? <laughs> was it B, two? Or was it C, four? Two. Going to be my guess. It was four. It was oh, four. Oh, god damn. So the tiebreaker. We're going to need the tiebreaker. Is a good You can't say that and not on. tell us what they were. What was it nominated for? Oh, yeah, for? we've got four. Four. <laughs> I don't think, like, does anyone care about that? I'm like, sorry. No, I do apologize. You care about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, tiebreaker. Shout out. Fastest finger wins. How many years were there between the release of the first Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick? 35, 36. 36. Brooker takes the lead and wins the quiz. 2-1. Yeah. Congratulations, Brooker. Uh, the only thing that well, was on well done. offer was you, pride. You deserve that. <laughs> yeah. Deserve is a strong word. Now we move on from the quiz to what we've been watching. We review something that we've watched that might not necessarily be a new release uh, in the last week or so. Owen, why don't you kick us off? Um, with what you've been watching. I can kick you, kick us off. I have just been talking a lot. You, should anyone else kick us off? <laughs> yeah. Reviewing, you can, okay. Yeah. You can stick to this one if you like. That's fine. I'm abusing the podcast. <laughs> I, I can do that. Not a problem. Because I'll talk for a little while and then, yeah, give her a chance to take a breath. So I have, what, I've, what have I been watching? I, I, this weekend I was in London for the Halloween Fright Fest. Uh, let's say extravaganza, not quite the right word. As Fright Fest is, it's, it's horror and genre films, but it's only a one day. So there were six films. I was there for five of them because frankly, I'm not spending 200 pounds to stay in London. So I got a train home. So in order, 
I saw a film called, uh, well, it started with a film called Tripping the Dark Fantastic, which is a, it's part Talking Head documentary, part live concert, and part really bad PowerPoint presentation about Simon Boswell and his career. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Simon Boswell. Doesn't seem familiar. He's a composer, does a lot of horror movies, done a lot of stuff with Dario Argento and directors of his ilk. It's not a good film, uh, oh, I'll be honest. I think shame. it would have been it would have been quite interesting as just a Talking Heads documentary. I think it would have been quite good. Or it would have been quite good as just a live concert. You know, like 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 Zimmer and, and Carpenter and all these guys, they do that big orchestral concerts and and, and you know, show off all of their music. He had clearly tried to do that and they kept cutting these songs into conversations about the films that he was working on and then they play a bit of the music from the film and it just, it just didn't work. It, it was quite boring. Uh, it has introduced me to one film. I've forgotten what it's called, but it's like a whole, an old Javier Bardem film where he snorts a lot of cocaine and then does crazy stuff. It looks really fun. Uh, so I'm hunting that bad boy down at some point. But yeah, it wasn't the greatest. It was quite disappointing overall, to be fair. I, I was hoping for much, much more. After that, oh, a film called Freeze, which was a, a period piece, kind of. A uh, bunch of guys in hornblower outfits go to the Arctic and uh, are attacked by a giant fish monsters. Did you call them hornblower outfits? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it was, it was just a bunch of guys being chased around the Arctic by, by men in rubber fish suits. Looked like <laughs> it played out like an extended X-Files episode Is it? without being as good as most X-Files episodes. It, it was okay. It was uh, okay. A friend of mine was in it uh, and was cool to watching it. Uh, but apart from that, it, I, I wouldn't be recommending it to anybody, really, I don't think. It was preceded by a short film called uh, Gnomes, which was written by the guy who wrote and directed Frankenstein's Army. Uh, yeah. And it was just, it was, it was like two and a half minutes of just full on gory nastiness with garden gnomes. It, was I, think, I have heard of this one. I don't, so here's the thing, right? I don't, I'm very, yeah. I am, I said I'd let you speak and then just, because I'm sure, right. I then kept interrupting. Yeah, no, I, I've heard of this one and I heard that it was very fun uh, in a classic was, horror kind of way. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was just, it was just bonkers. Like I say, it was about, it was about three minutes. It, it didn't outstay its welcome at all. It was really, really good. Really fun to watch. Really gory. Uh, had a lot of laughs in the cinema. One of the highlights of the day, to be fair. Yeah. It was genuinely brilliant. Uh, and then when you look it up and you go, oh, it's by the guy who wrote and directed Frankenstein's Army. You kind of go, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can a hundred percent see that. Uh, after that was a Swiss film called Mad Heidi, which was, a, which is about, uh, revolution against a evil cheese conglomerate in Switzerland. An evil cheese monster. conglomerate. Yeah. 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 Uh, only type of cheese conglomerate. <laughs> it is the only type of cheese conglomerate. It might seem what goes on at Dairy Lee. <laughs> I have not. For, for a very real reason, I don't want to. <laughs> If I know how the sausage is made, I don't want to eat it. Precisely. <laughs> Have you guys seen Overlord? 
Yes. The uh, the World War II zombies yeah. thing. J.J. Yeah, Abrams film. Was J. Yeah, yeah, he produced it, yeah. So imagine Overlord with cheese Nazis and Casper okay. Van Dien. Do you know who Casper Van Dien is? Yeah, it's in yeah. Starship Troopers. The guy from Starship Troopers, yes. yeah. Uh, so him playing the cheese president of Switzerland, channeling his inner Charlie Sheen while he's doing it. So what, it what, was, what, what were the cheese-related <laughs> policies of theirs? Ones are more... They kid, what, so <laughs> lactose intolerance is not tolerated. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> Good. You are killed Good if point. you're lactose intolerant. Okay. It wasn't like they were trying to like, you know, they were, they were purveyors of Swiss cheese, so they were trying to remove all the cheddar makers. No, no, no. Well, it wasn't that no. kind of... It was, no. it was yeah. Just so unclear. Just evil cheese Nazis. Okay. It, it was bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. But it was such a laugh. Really, genuinely, highly recommend it. Uh, lots and lots and lots of fun. Uh, after that, uh, we got Outpost. So Outpost was, uh, it's, it's, kind of, it's, a, it's a PTSD movie with kind of a feminist twist to it. Uh, did you guys play Firewatch? Have you guys played Firewatch? No, but no, of no. it. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's basically woman alone in a in a fire watching outpost, uh, and The Shining happens, uh, and but she's kind of she's suffering quite badly from PTSD. Film of the weekend. Oh wow! Uh, genuinely brilliant. A couple of good jumps. Really atmospheric. Edgy seat the whole way. And you will not believe me when I tell you who made it. And I'm genuinely going to hope you guys know who I'm talking about. Do you guys watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yes. Yeah. The guy who plays uh, Boyle. <laughs> okay. Okay. Made, yeah, nice. made this movie. Yeah. He made this film. And it was the film of the weekend. Me and Wycott taught him as well. And he was a very nice man. I uh, get that impression from him. But he, yeah, he was, he was a genuine sweetheart. But yeah, he... He was so happy to be there and like show this genuinely amazing horror film to this just room full of horror fans. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was great. It was so surreal. Like I didn't expect it to be him. Mm. I read his name when I read the program. And I was like, that's got to be a different <laughs> Joe Latrulio, surely, because yeah. there's no way the guy that plays Boyle is making a horror movie. But yeah, uh, Outpost, when it gets released, if it gets released, highly, highly recommend it. We'll be buying it day one. My last film of Fright Fest. Oh, oh. oh no. Have I ever told you boys how much of a fan of the Sausage is? I'm sure I have. Yeah, oh, I, yeah uh, multiple mm. times, yeah. I am a big fan of the Sausage Sisters. They uh -huh. are genuine, actual heroes of mine. Give us some of their films. What films have... Uh... Uh, so, they made American Mary. Uh -huh. uh, that's their big film. That's what everybody knows them for. Uh, they made a film called Dead Hooker in a Trunk, which uh -huh. is like their student film. They made uh, See No Evil 2, which was a sequel to Kane starring Slasher movie. Uh, and most recently, they made, uh, they remade Rabbit. They remade David Cronenberg's Rabbit, mm -hmm. which was actually, I thought, decent. I had, a lot of, I had a lot of fun with it. I really enjoyed it. Obviously, these girls are big Cronenberg fans. These women <laughs> are big Cronenberg fans. Uh, and you can see that when you watch Rabbit. So they then, they've gone off and they've made uh, a film called On the Edge. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you real quick. Uh -huh. As family man Peter gets more than he paid for when he books a 36-hour session with the sadistic, sadistic Mistress Santana, who seems more intent on making him suffer for his sins. Is it blackmail? Is it torture? 
or is it the devil come for his soul? Will Peter's faith save him from his own personal hell, or is he already damned? A brilliant depiction of how kink culture can heal past trauma and be a source for shocking redemption. So, <laughs> we will start. This film had a super quick turnaround. Like, it, there was like three months from writing it to it turning up at Fryfest. It was filmed in like 14 days, which obviously, that's not that big a deal. Indie films are filmed really quickly anyway, so that's not really that big a deal. I'll give you the timeline for me and this film. When I heard they were making another film, I was excited, but kind of knew it was going to be a bit and a half mm-hmm. because that, that's kind of the Soska sister's way. <laughs> but I was excited for it nonetheless. Then I, uh, I saw them on Facebook and Twitter and everything going, this is us finally uncensored. No one's telling us what we can and can't do with our film. And I thought, shit. <laughs> You're literally just going to put dicks in your film because you can. And I'm really not down with that. You know, make whatever film you want. I'm not going to judge you. But if the only thing you're selling your film on is that you're uncensored, I'm a little bit concerned. (laughs) Then I saw the trailer for it and I was really, really sad because the audio, the lighting, everything about it just seemed not good. And I am. And at all points of this, I'm still going to say, I still love these women. I think they're amazing directors. And I think as a brand, they've done for themselves what not many people in the indie scene get to do. They've done very, very well for themselves. Then I sat and watched this two and a bit hour long film that dude getting whipped and did not need to see it. (laughs) There's far too much. There was enough penis torture in this film for me to no longer feel sorry for the guys in Jackass (laughs) (laughs) and the shit they put themselves through. There was easily an eight minute scene of just these rapidly flashing lights and like after a minute or two it was starting to hurt. I mean it genuinely needed an epilepsy warning anyway but I was sitting going I can't look at the screen anymore. I need to, and the wife was with me. She was doing the same. I had a couple of mates on the other side of me. They were all literally looking away from the screen going, this is hurting a lot. So this dude gets beat up and all genuine, no hyperbole. This actually happens in the film. Dude pukes up a snake and in the next minute, uh, Jen Stoska takes snake and jams it up this guy's ass. All right. All right. Nothing is resolved. Don't think anything could have been resolved. I was going to say, how do you resolve that? <laughs> what I, is the plot but, thread of? But, but this is what the, the, this dude is a family man who's gone to this mistress to work out some childhood trauma, and there's a childhood trauma thread going through this film that I couldn't quite understand. The audio, like I said, the audio and the lighting doesn't look good or sound good. It felt like we were watching a work print of a film that wasn't ready yet. Yes. Uh, and as much as I love them too and as much as i love the guys who run fright fest that film would not have been allowed on that screen if anybody other than the soskers had made it it was it was a fucking travesty yeah Did, <laughs> was it like made on because i know sometimes they do these things where they get films and they're like oh they it was made on like a micro budget and this was done on a, an iphone oh it's and, super it's you know. super low budget it's not done on a phone it's super low budget it's done on a yeah. decent camera uh but it's done almost exclusively in a hotel room ah. there's maybe five people in it yeah, uh, surreptitiously recorded sisters. in like an Airbnb kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it was actually it was a pro- it was an actual hotel room. Oh, uh, okay, uh, a working hotel room as well. So apparently they'd done it 
while there were guests in the rooms opposite and apparently nobody complained. I mean, on a fucking hotel these <laughs> people going to, because the noises this dude yeah. was making, I would have been banging on the wall. It obviously was micro budget and obviously, you know, it's, it's the two men in a room thing because uh -huh. of COVID, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of that and I can forgive them for a lot of it, but at the same time, these women are professionals. They know what they're doing. They're, they've been doing, they've been making films for 12 years now and they've made quite a few. Uh -huh. I just, I expected a little bit more. I expected higher quality out of those two, especially again, when it's preceded by the directorial debut of the man from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and it was a million times better. But yeah, that was my, that was my fright fest. Um, so I, I don't know if Owen's still <laughs> not willing to talk and he's still doing his Cristiano Ronaldo act, going to walk out the room at any minute and refuse to podcast. Uh, or if you'd like to tell us what he's been watching. I could tell you, I could tell you, or you could go, Steve. I don't want to just Okay, if you want to, if you want to keep putting like, oh, what you've got to talk about is good because you're putting it off so no, much, you're building really a lot isn't. of hype. <laughs> you're building so much hype now. We're all expecting such big things. As was I from what I have been watching, which is the Netflix series, The Watcher. And I will now stop listening to any friends who hire hype up the <laughs> series. Well, okay. So stars Mary Watts and Bobby Cannavale. And Martin Cannavale. Cannavale. Depend, yeah. Depends on your accent. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard his name said out loud. I've only ever seen it written down. But anyway, so it's a new sort of binge worthy Netflix thriller series um based on real events by all accounts it's about a family that move out to the suburbs into a new wouldn't quite say mansion but new large house and almost instantly strange things start happening um mainly without spoiling it for the people who might want to watch it they get uh strange letters from somebody who calls themselves the watcher who is claiming to watch over them and has been watching over their house for many a year and has some kind of connection with the house. And all the neighbours seem like absolute mentalists for a number of reasons. To be fair to it, it does, I don't think it's the performances that are bad. They're, they're working with what the story they've got and the script they've got. But it, it starts well. It builds up a lot of suspense. And then the ending just falls flat because there's no real conclusion to the story, which is apparently in line with the real events that happen. So in some ways you can't really blame it, you know, blame the series for that, but it really doesn't lack any kind of conclusion, satisfying or unsatisfying. It just kind of ends without any of the plot threads really being resolved. Have either of you guys seen it? Any of I, it? I haven't. Mainly because I've heard exactly that from at least two other people. <laughs> yeah, I've not, I've not watched it, but the yeah. trailers, the trailers popped up. You know, Netflix does that whole auto playing of the trailers. If you just stop oh. for even just a second, if it thinks that you yeah. just, you just looked slightly in the direction of that tile, it's like, ah, here's the yeah. trailer. Yeah. So yeah. I've seen that about three times. Um, and, it, and it's got a similar kind of tone to it as quite a few Netflix series. It's been a couple of like British ones sort of based on, I can't remember the names of them. Or the, or the guy who kind of wrote them or was heavily involved in them. But one of them starred the guy from Dexter doing a British accent. It's kind of got that kind of vibe to it, but it's not as good as them, which isn't <laughs> really sinking very high phrase at all. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, you know, it, it builds up quite well and it can be quite suspenseful it, you know, towards the start and the middle of this, the, the, the series. And then it just ends 
with no nothing resolved at all. And again, people might want to watch it, so I don't want to spoil it too much by kind of saying how it ends or, or what happens in it. But the, the ending is just sort of like, was that it? And, and again, it is true, to, I suppose, to the to the what I've read about the real events. But it kind of makes me think, well, okay, you you. Your Hollywood scriptwriters make up a different ending or, or write about something else. Yeah, so surely, surely if you're basing this on a true story and the true story just stops with no yeah. real ending, surely uh, you just go, let's do something else. Yeah. But the we, great we, investigation we, into who stole my car, we could talk about that for eight hours, but we actually don't know who did it. Or we've got two thirds of a good story. If we'll just make up an ending. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood changes real events all the time. Yeah, you know why? Why not do it for this? I, I'm pretty sure I've seen several, uh, three or four different endings for the Jack the Ripper story over the years. I'm <laughs> sure we could do it for other things as well. Yeah. Um. So yes, yeah, so that's that's what I've been watching, and yeah, I was very let down by the the ending of it. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. See what you think. But I I think most people think the same. Have you guys seen that Netflix are going to start releasing their viewing figures so they can be compared with? ratings, viewing ratings for things like BBC and Channel 4 and Sky Channels and all that stuff. So people oh, okay. will finally be able to sort of, when Netflix is going, oh, this was watched by X oh. number of people, you'll be able to actually go, not according to the official sort of ratings. Yeah. Um, I think that they, those numbers would be quite interesting because yeah. you, you see a lot of the, what was it, those Dharma, wouldn't it? They said yeah. it was like the, the, the second highest rated or second most watched thing in Netflix history. Yes. And it's only behind like season four of Stranger Things, uh, which confuses me. Yes. I'll be honest. But they, Who's just watching season four of Stranger Things? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think because obviously Netflix would say that they have more and more viewers over the years, right? So other people yeah. will have watched Stranger Things season one to three via yeah. other methods, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although not, D not DVD, because I don't think they really sit on hard copy, do they? Isn't that one? No, they, they do not. They don't I would do absolutely have them in their collection. <laughs> Netflix, I don't think, release. I've got their, their Marvel stuff. So I've got two seasons of Daredevil on Blu ray. That's, and that's it. Yeah. That's the only thing I think I've actually I own Netflix but if in you, physical it format. It makes sense. Like, if, you're, if you run Netflix, you want people to subscribe to Netflix to watch the shows. Exa exactly that. If your entire model is based on streaming services, yeah. you don't want to be selling stuff. For people to buy it and then not watch your streaming service. Yeah. Shudder has started releasing a lot of their stuff on Have physical, they? which I, yeah, I'm really up for that because I quite like the idea of being able to share around lower budget horror movies with people. Mm. This is probably uh, not a question for you, Booker, because you could point to something you probably bought today. But Steve, when was the last <laughs> physical media, like Blu ray, DVD, um, VHS, even, why not, that you remember buying? I can't remember the last time I bought anything. When I moved, I'd sold, you know, on one of those like music magpie type websites, got rid of everything that they would take off one of them because I just don't need it anymore. I kept certain Blu-rays and box sets and things like that. But other than that, if they would take it, I got rid of it because there's just no need for it now. You know, I've got, I've got SkyGo, I've got Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime. Yeah. I don't need it to take up space. I can look to my right and I can see Bullet Train, Modern <laughs> Warfare 2, and 
Top Gun Maverick steelbooks. And that's just arrived in the last five days. Yeah. There's some, <laughs> there is something nice about like having that tangible copy of something, but I'm yeah. a, bit, a bit like Steve now in that I just don't. Like, I, I, if I go into a charity shop, I still look at the DVD yeah. rack and I think, blimey, you can get the entire box set of Friends for a fiver, but I'm yeah. not going to buy it because I don't mm. like Friends and I don't watch uh, <laughs> DVDs anymore. <laughs> But can you I, imagine now if you had a box set of something, yeah, a physical copy, getting up and changing the disc? <laughs> yeah, I feel that's... So, yeah. Yeah. I'm too lazy to do that. Yeah. To, <laughs> it's a pain. Yeah. yeah. Way, I've got... Oh, I'll get up and change the disc now, and then got to make sure disc one is in the disc one. <laughs> and the little teeth yeah. are broken in the thing again. Oh, it's yeah. just sliding around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have levels, like stuff I, I love and will definitely watch, I will buy in steelbook format. And if it's only available on physical and I can't buy it digital, I'll buy it on physical, normal. But I'll, I, buy, I buy so much stuff digital mm. as well. So much. Yeah. Well, like I say, I understand the kind of like having the tangible thing. Yeah. I think that's, there's something, there is something like still quite nice about having that. Um, I do love my steelbook collection. Yeah. And it's like a nice, I always liked having my DVDs on display. Now they're in a box yeah. in the garage, but I always used to really <laughs> like sort of being like, I could just, I, I can see them there. I could look at them. And it sounds really, I think to people probably not on this podcast, it probably sounds quite like nerdy and, you know, naff or whatever. But I did. I used nah. to just like just looking at them, just going through, I'll sort them. Yeah. You know, I have fun sorting yeah. them. I am that kind of bloke. <laughs> but, but I always feel good on occasion. So I was talking to somebody at work a little while ago, and obviously with uh, with Black Adam coming out, uh -huh. we've been talking about like Shazam. It's like, oh, I've not seen Shazam. I was like, well, it, I mean, it was on Netflix for about three months uh -huh. and then vanished. By the time we got talking about it, it wasn't it? It was like, well, where am I going to watch it? I was like, yeah, ah, <laughs> I have a physical copy. You have an Xbox. Here you go. Yes. It was but great. I, so I, I rent stuff digitally. I've stopped yeah. buying stuff digitally. Mainly because like, when I started to buy stuff, two of the services, I think, don't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So I had a copy of like Dark Knight Rises that doesn't, I don't have anymore. And some other service that I can't even remember what it was called, where I bought, I think I bought Bone Tomahawk and something else on there. And they, they yeah. just don't exist anymore. So there is okay. part of me that's like, hmm, I'm not, I'm not buying it. This is a, I didn't mean for this to happen, but this is a very neat segue into what I've been watching because I've watched Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2 and Ghostbusters Answer the Call, but I didn't watch the new Ghostbusters because I don't subscribe to Sky Movies and the only other way to watch it at the moment is to buy it digitally. Yeah. Even though it's, it's not that much. It's like six ninety nine or something, which, you know, if you can compare that to the cost of a Blu-ray, for example, yeah. it's actually really cheap. But I will still, I, I'll probably pay to rent it. I don't mind paying £3.50 to stream it through YouTube movies or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, or Amazon, probably. But I refuse, Point Blank refuse to pay that extra three quid to buy it. <laughs> um, See, I buy my stuff yeah. on uh, iTunes iTunes ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think I'm think i safe. Yeah. Well, I, well, I mean, now that 
Apple are going to have to change all of their plug sockets on their devices. <laughs> That's the uh, well, end of, world ending. That yeah. is. Put three pound fifty to watch Hellraiser. Happily do that the day it comes out. You know, been waiting. Yeah. A film I wanted to be, watch. It's three pound fifty. I mean, that's compare that to the cost of going to the cinema. It's nothing. I'm much more True. comfortable watching it at home than I am going to the. I don't go to the cinema anymore. Remember when I watched yeah. something like five hundred and sixty films in a year? Don't do yes, that anymore. Uh, yeah um but yes i was going to segue somewhat accidentally into ghostbusters when was the last time you guys watched those films if you've watched them at all i'm assuming Um, that you've watched them i probably watched ghostbusters a couple of years ago yeah 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 during lockdown when no one could do anything (laughs) yeah i think i probably watched all three of them i think i might have back to back them when i bought them physical because I again I own all three yep. in physical format nice uh, so when the third one came out I bought it and I think me and the kid and the wife like over a couple of days watching them so that would have been the 2018 that came out 20 well I should know this because I'm about to talk about it 2016 2016 <laughs> right, yeah so probably would have been 2017 or 2018 I picked them up and we would have yep. watched them that would have been the last time yeah okay without really thinking about it Brooker Rank those yeah. three films. Okay, my preference one, uh, twenty sixteen, and then two. Uh huh. Steve, one, two, twenty sixteen. Interesting. But that's not that. But that's not because you're a massive misogynist. Exactly. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. We always knew it. <laughs> we always knew it. <laughs> never hid it. <laughs> no, I didn't think the twenty sixteen one was bad and i don't think it deserved all the criticism that it got but yeah just in that order for me okay and um, what all i can assume from take it that takeaway from what brooker just said and what you just said steve is that because brooker's watched all three of them quite recently Burr. that he understands that ghostbusters 2 is a bad film and <laughs> that you don't really remember ghostbusters 2 particularly well because perhaps yeah because <laughs> it's not a good film like it was the first, I remember watching Ghostbusters 2 much, wow. much younger and thinking it was amazing. And Carol, do you remember Carol of this, you know? Yeah. She, was a, she is a humongous Ghostbusters fan. She just loves the films, which is, I completely um, get it because the first one's got such great, like, movie quality. Wow. And when I say movie, like, it, you can tell it was made mid-80s. It was like, yeah, you know, it's the kind of film that you watch and you think, hey, how could they ever hope to do that again? Right. Um, I don't think they could because there was something about it. I know it's like just like, oh, let's just get a bunch of, you know, SNL actors together. There was some, there's something about Ghostbusters. And I'm not like, I'm not in love with it. I think there are problems with it. I, th- I think, you know, Bill Murray's character, Pete, Peter is an absolute twat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I never, again, never really noticed that before, but I think watching it now, slightly older, it's like, uh, he's not. He's a dick. He is the dickhead oh, yeah, of the film. yeah, 100%. He isn't the hero of the film. <clears throat> he's just an absolute knobhead. And so I enjoyed him less than I think I've ever enjoyed him. Um, I think that's a completely fair take to have. Yeah. And I know he's supposed to be a bit of an ass, but I think you're still supposed to root for him. And at the end, I was like, I, of all the people in this film who I want to commit, you know, with any degree of, be, be having any success in what they're trying to do as characters. But I hope he does not have any. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, whereas Dan Aykroyd's character, I really liked. 
you know. Yeah. Ray is great. And Egon, fantastic. And Winston is an afterthought. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. Apparently, I read that he thought he was going to have a much bigger role than he was given. Yeah, I read that as well. Did yeah. I read that or did I watch it? Uh, I feel like I watched a documentary about it. Netflix done a movies that made us thing. Oh, And they yes. done an episode on Ghostbusters. They have. Which was actually, which was a really interesting episode. Yeah. Well, I would say watch that documentary that I've not seen rather than watching Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> the thing with Ghostbusters 2 is it, we see so many sequels that do it still to this mm. day get greenlit and rushed because they've done such great business with the first one and there's no need for a second one at all. Yeah. They clearly went into the second one with no plan, no ideas, and just literally threw shit at the wall. So I think I read again about this in, I don't, I don't know if it was IMDb trivia. I read it somewhere when I was looking up stuff about Ghostbusters 2 that, uh, they all thought they were making a different film to the one they were making. Wow. Yeah. So it would basically be shredded to uh, make something that sells toys and, yeah. you know, appeals to younger kids. Um, so that's, that's a very late 80s thing to uh, do as well, isn't so, it? Yeah, so much. You think of all the films that were around that time that did the same, you know. Yeah. They do, it was capitalising on, like, you know, I know it was a bit later, but like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film and stuff yeah. like that, where it was just like a He-Man. You know, they reference He-Man yeah. in Ghostbusters too. They do. They um, do. And it's like, yeah, I think, I don't know whether that's, that He-Man reference is something that Dan Aykroyd kind of, let's sneak this in. <laughs> <laughs> As being very self-aware, we know this is a shit yeah. film. Because yeah. it is a shit film. Um, it is. Whereas Ghostbusters, I'm going to call it Ghostbusters 3. I think it's called like Ghostbusters Answer the Call. The one that it's came just, out in 2016. It's just Ghostbusters, isn't it? It's just, just, it Ghostbusters. just Ghostbusters. And then somewhere in the marketing, Answer the Call got tagged on as a tagline. Yeah. And it just became the subtitle of the film. Yeah. It was, I, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, I've got a theory. I think they did that because they didn't want people to keep calling it a remake. Because yeah. even though it treads similar strands, but not really entirely, there are a lot of things that I think you, that are in that film that are nods to the originals. A lot of plot beats kind of hitting the same points, but they yeah. don't, it's not really a remake of the first film. Um, no. What it is, is another attempt to get a bunch of SNL comedians together to do their yeah. thing. Um, and, the, and the problem there is they've they've done it with uh, a very a property that's very precious to a lot of people. I think that was the main problem. Yeah, I mean, there's people yeah. in it like Kate McKinnon who I don't think I'd heard of before, and I watched that for the first time when it was in the cinema. I was like, she is the saving. Her and Chris Hemsworth are the saving grace of this film. They're fantastic. She, she is outstanding. Yeah, but she's done nothing good since. Um, for, as, as so what I, I can tell. Yeah. And Leslie Jones is great, but again, yeah. playing a kind of, um, the sort of I'm, blue collar. As a rule, I'm a, I'm a bit of a Melissa McCarthy fan. And I Melissa McCarthy's like, fine in it, yeah. I, I, I like Melissa McCarthy in most of her stuff. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I saw him was the, oh, I've forgotten what it's called, the, the, her and the, her and the fat guy who needs the diet show, which was really, oh. I mean, it's quite problematic. No, the one you mean, the sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't it's, remember the name of it. It's Mike and Molly. It's called Mike and Molly. Yeah. Uh, and it's genuinely quite funny. The fat jokes get a bit old. 
but it is uh, an entire show revolving around fat joke. But she done like uh, the heat with mm-hmm. the Sandra heat Bullock, which I thought was amazing. Uh, she done Spy mm-hmm. with Jason Statham, which was great. And all of these were made by Paul Beak. Fake, yeah, League Fake, who also made Ghostbusters. He also made Ghostbusters. Uh, and I think you can see he made it. Yeah, and I genuinely really enjoy Ghostbusters 2016, but would have been better with no fucking ghosts in it. Genuinely, if they not tried to make a Ghostbusters film, just let them do their thing in another property. Yeah. So there are things that I think in this film that are bugbears in the same way things in the Ghostbusters 2 film are bugbears, but they're completely separate. So, for example, Ghostbusters 2 was a victim of being a sequel in the late 80s in a period of filmmaking where they were like, let's flog a load of toys to children. And this has a similar thing, and then it falls victim to being of its time. Because there's a lot of it, which is just like, let's make a 3D film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 3D films 2016 is like, I oh, we should, you know, it's still like some years after Avatar, but it was still like, you know, if you yeah. want to bump your box office figures, make a 3D film. And that's what it, they do it, with it a, lot from a lot of stuff as well. It suffers. And I, I hate, I hate being the guy that says it out loud, but it suffers from the gender swapping that a lot of these, a lot of these remakes and reboots did. And I don't think, I don't genuinely don't think it's a bad thing. I yeah. loved all four of them in that film, but it instantly gave it negative press. And instantly, yeah. instantly took negativity from a crowd that didn't want it. And I think that is just part and parcel of existing in <laughs> the yeah. world of, like, there's, there's always going to be those idiots yeah. online that hate a film 100%. For, for stuff like that. 100%. You know, all this woke quote-unquote woke it's not me yeah. saying the word woke in this way but that's how it seems to be used as a derogatory yeah. term of like oh it's full of women therefore it's woke and it's appealing to snowflakes and you know all that stuff there's just but i what it, i think what it did and i i say this genuinely it it gave me a film a, a genuinely really funny film good action with four really cool female leads that my at the time four-year-old daughter could really get behind you know uh but my kid loves films all films horror films action films all films but it's nice to watch a film sometimes with where she gets a little bit of representation because again it's all ghostbusters is all blokes uh, it's all blokes who's she who's she meant to cheer on as somebody that looks like her Sigourney weaver <laughs> Well, if I want that, I show Alien. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> El Zool, Zool in yeah. the first one. But do you, do you know what I mean? I, and I, I understand why. No, I don't understand why. I think people that got upset about it are pricks. But I, <laughs> I see why it took a load of shit. From my point of view, as a guy who's had representation in every film I've ever watched yeah. for my entire life. Nice for my little girl to have them. Yeah, I think it's kind of the important. People. And it's brave of them to make it. You know, you know, brave seems a very patronizing and condescending thing for me to say. It does, but, but it's, it's the right word for it. To, for the studio to back an all female led reboot of Ghostbusters is, yeah. it, it, you know, that is basically saying a big fuck you to all the people they knew were going to commit and criticize it. Like the new She Hulk, I think, is fantastic for that. But yes, I. My summary of the film is first 20 minutes good, middle bit, bit drab, final 
15 minutes but is fine. Dan- Dan- Dancing Hemsworth, it's worth, the, it's worth the price of entry for Dancing Hemsworth. Dancing Hemsworth, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> annoyingly, because I didn't want it to be true, but he is the funniest thing in it. Like, we're just talking about like an all female fronted Ghostbuster, and he's like, Yeah, but you know, did you see Chris Hemsworth? Because he's a very funny Yeah, <laughs> he's superb in it. Yeah. Uh, he gets to show off some comedy chops he doesn't get to show off very often. Yeah. Uh, and I think part I, of it I was really a surprise, wasn't it? Part of it was a surprise yeah. of being like, Oh, yeah, you know, and people say he's funny as Thor, but actually, he is doing proper comedy. <laughs> so, I could, I'm, I'm, so you've not seen the the new one at all? Not didn't go cinema for it? No, not? no, I don't. I don't do the oh. cinema anymore because oh. I can't be asked. <laughs> so, so it's a mix with the riffraff, the riffraff, no, catch your diseases. Ugh. Yeah, that, exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to, I had to tell somebody to stop recording the other day when I was in the cinema watching Black Adam. I literally had to walk down three rows and go, will you stop fucking recording? Jesus Christ, what yeah. is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like going to cinema anymore. And that, I love the cinema, but I just want to be in my own, on my own in all of them. Yeah. And I love you, Brooker. But I think if you walked over to me, looking the way you do and said, what the fuck are you doing? I think I would shit myself. So I hope she did. Put- she really did shit oh, herself. Yeah. I would be interested in like three years time when we resurrect this podcast again. <laughs> uh, hopefully you've seen Ghostbusters for i've forgotten what it's called after life it's called afterlife that's the bad boy uh and i had this conversation again because i have thoughts on afterlife yeah i quite enjoyed it my thought on afterlife is i I know why they've made this and that's quite annoying (laughs) yes yeah yes that's my only Uh, thought yeah having the reason it got made is very annoying uh the film is okay it's like to start with the third star wars film of the new ones it's like, I know why you've done this to this film, <laughs> but it's shit. Yeah. You ruined yeah. what is, a ter- it's a terrible ending to your trilogy, yeah. you absolute clowns. But I think the reason they did that was that how bad the second one was and they had to try to recover it. But, but the second one was the best of the three. I it's- thought the second one was fucking super. <laughs> no, I'm not a Star Wars fan. Yeah. I think it's the, I think that's I know, it. that's not a Star Wars fan. Genuinely loves and the Lanny Wedge. Let's not get into the no. whole Star Wars debate now or else we'll never, <laughs> never see our loved ones again or go to <laughs> sleep or go to work the next day. No. So the new release I've watched this week was again on Netflix, which is All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a World War One film. Uh, World War Two is usually the one that gets the most films made about it. But this, uh, and this was also a, um, not a remake. Well, there have been versions of it released before, but how much of a remake it is, I don't particularly know. Uh, it's produced by and starring Daniel Bruhl, and it is, in German, German made, and from a German's perspective, which is interesting, as without sounding too much like a football hooligan, we won both world wars. A lot of the films are made from our perspective about the two world wars. I, I so, like that. That actually makes me want to watch it more because that 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 mm-hmm. sits it into a very small subsection of films like Downfall. Yeah, uh, and it's a you know it's a it's a different it's obviously a different take on it. It's interesting to see obviously World War One and World War Two was started and carried on for very different reasons and we don't really have time to go into that now but <laughs> you know it's in, it's interesting to see the german you know the, the german perspective of it um and obviously just the, you do see the kind of um because it does cover the sort of armistice and the kind of talks to 
regarding the end of the war, German surrender, that kind of thing, as well as seeing frontline soldiers. It, it looks stunning. It's very brutal in places, um, which kind of makes it more real and honest to the, to the whole thing rather than just sort of, I suppose, tiptoeing around the, the violence and the realities of, of what you know, situation they're all in. But yeah, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I, I think you should, uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, definitely go and watch All Quiet on the Western Front, which is on Netflix. It's a Netflix production or net, you know, in the UK, at least it's on, it's on exclusive to Netflix. We, when we were, to, um, you mentioned this before we started recording, you said the new, you, you're going to talk about All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen this, but I've seen the original. And you both said yeah. you'd seen the original, but yeah, I think we were all referring to different films because you guys are talking about a film that came out in the 70s, I think. Yes, sir. But I didn't... That's, that's definitely the one I'd seen. Yeah, but I didn't know there was a film that came out in the 70s. So I'd seen, being the, you know, pretentious cunt that I am, I'd seen All Quiet <laughs> on the Western Front from 1930 and thought, that's what you guys were referring to. And I remember thoroughly liking that film. I've had to go back to my review to look at what I actually thought about it. But it was interesting, I think, because it was released in 1930. So you're talking about it being like a different perspective and being about World War One and all that stuff. It's, yeah. You know, if you think, well, it was the original was made in 1930. So mm. World War Two wasn't World. It wasn't even World War One. It was just the Great War. You know, it yeah. was the thing that that the you know it, when it was made, there had only been one war. Right. And it was a very strong anti-war message. And you think as well, what was quite interesting about it from um, what I can recall is it wasn't, it has that whole German perspective on it, but it wasn't painting it as goodies and baddies, you know? No. And I think it was being, it was, it had a strong anti-war message, but it was about, look, this is, these are people <laughs> who mm. are young, young men who are yes. conscripted into us. So they've not, it's not like perhaps, you know, European soldiers, American soldiers in a more modern war where you're- Interested. You, you've chosen that as a career path. World War One and World War Two, so they were conscripted. So they, they had to go. Yes. But I think so there was that, also, yeah. there, was this, there was still the propaganda around both yeah. sides, I think, of being like, oh, you go and fight for, you know, the fatherland. You go and, yeah. you know, we're... And there, there, was a, there was an element of this, an element of that at the start of the film, where the, the three, you know, three, three guys joining up together, going to go off and on kind of, it's quite quickly cut down you know you know, shut down but initially oh we're going to go on this adventure with our friends <laughs> and then quite soon realizing no this isn't an adventure with my friends this is terrible yeah <laughs> yeah it sounds like uh did you guys do the, the clint eastwood iwo jima movies mm, yes. I, I think i saw the first one so yeah because they're, they're they sound very similar so obviously you've got the two you've got flags of flowers which is the, the, the american side of it and then you literally the Letters from Iwo Jima was the exact same story, but from the Japanese side. Mm, and yes. actually, I really enjoyed how how you got a different perspective on even on like a famous story like Iwo Jima. You got a, a different perspective on a very famous story because everybody's only ever taught like the American guys and the flag mm -hmm. and all of that shit. Yeah. So actually, to see to see it from the Japanese perspective, obviously as the Japanese lose as well, you know, it's it's interesting. Mm. Uh, and quite heartbreaking, I suppose, yeah. to see, yeah, from that perspective, from that point of view, uh, you know, and, this, and there's now an entire culture that know about this loss and we're not it usually, 
Mm. So I think actually that, that puts all quiet, quite high up on my to watch list. Actually, I think I sure. Yeah. It's definitely, I watched it in two sittings. That's just because I've been absolutely shafted in the evening. It's not a short film by any means, but you know, is it doable in one go? I've just been absolutely shattered. <laughs> 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 Again, old mate. Yeah, that's what yes, I know. When you when you sort of past your mid thirties, as I know you are, Steve, because we're the same age. Um, <laughs> too old to be doing this podcasting shit. I think that's just how we watch films now. It was yeah. just two in two sittings, watch them at home, have a cup of tea, have a break in the middle. <laughs> well, I'd- I've started my fifth decade on this world, so I'm I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brooker, what have you been watching that's been new, a new release this week? I finally got got around to watching Hellraiser, uh, the new David Bruckner uh, interpretation, I suppose, of Hellraiser. So it's, obviously it's been out for a couple of weeks in the US on Hulu, but I refuse to pirate movies. So it, I've been sitting waiting, avoiding spoilers for like two weeks. Uh, and then on Halloween, it just randomly appeared on my iTunes. Like no, no fanfare, no advertisement, no nothing. I tripped across it completely by accident. The Hellraiser happened to be out. Uh, so I watched that. And do you know why I watched it? Go on. You posted on Facebook that you'd watched it. And I was like, oh, Hellraiser's out. And then yeah. that's when I, because I checked earlier, earlier this week. No, kind of been earlier this week. Uh, it was been like late last week to see when the new Hellraiser film was out, and it was like, oh, uh, the US release date is this, but there's no UK release date. So, yeah. uh, I I had I had said to a mate of mine as well, I was like, they've got until like the middle of November, and I'm off to the pirate bay because I'm <laughs> sick to the back fucking teeth of dodging spoilers. If they'd have released it to buy in the US, I would have bought it. And I've always said this: I'll, I'll if there's a way for me to give you money. For me to watch a film, I will give you money to watch that film. But if you're going to make it fucking impossible, yeah, <laughs> off off to the high seas I go. But thankfully, it got released. I've been a Hellraiser fan for a long, long time. Uh. It's one of the earliest horror movies I remember watching. Third one was actually the first one I watched, which is a weird entry. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you went back a... to watch the first two, and you're like, "Where's all the weird Cenobites? Where's the explosions? Where's, where's the exactly? Yeah, uh, where's the action?" It's one of those films as well. Like when I, I must have watched the first one. I'm, I couldn't have been more than 14 or 15. Yeah. And there's no fucking way I understood that film at 14 years old. No, me neither. I had no idea what was going on. It was just sex and gore. And I loved it. And then as the years went on, like, I kept watching it. And it meant more, you know, I understood more and more of it. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that one and two, obviously... These are masterpiece movies, legendary films. <laughs> Three, I really enjoy. I have a soft spot for it. It's a bit shit. Yeah. But I kind of like it. Four, I think it's highly underrated. Four, I really like. Hellraiser in Space is the stupidest film. Yeah. But it's a really fun little portmanteau. I quite like it. Hellraiser in Space, uh, isn't that Event Horizon? Yes, that's exactly yeah. what I, Event Horizon <laughs> is. After that, I mean, it is so wildly downhill. It is unbelievable, especially when you look at some of the names that have made it. I mean, fucking, oh, I've forgotten his name. The guy that made Sinister and, uh, uh, and I know uh, who you mean. Doctor Strange. Yeah. Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson, yeah. Scott Derrickson made one of these movies. It's shite. But it was it's, the whole thing with Hellraiser, though, was they just held on to the rights Hellraiser to the name. Hellraiser has been an Ashcan series yeah. since Hellraiser 4. 
So yeah. every film has been made specifically to just keep the rights. They've taken Miramax will take a procedural cop thriller <laughs> or a procedural slasher in the late nineties, uh, and just put Pinhead in it just to call it Hellraiser. Yep. Then you had Revelations. Revelations was the first Hellraiser to not have Doug Bradley in. Yes. Fat Pinhead, as he has been not so nicely called. <laughs> uh, he was then dubbed over with somebody else because his voice was terrible. It was not a good film, like by any stretch of imagination. Yeah. Uh, then Hellraiser Judgment had a new guy playing Pinhead. Was made. I've, I'll, I'll not remember the guy's name, so I'm not going to bother. But he was made by a makeup effects guy <laughs> who done makeup for a lot of the other Hellraiser films. So went in as a fan. Gary Tunnicliffe, his name is. I'll be honest, I don't hate Judgment. I don't necessarily like it, but I liked some of his ideas. Yeah. Still disappointing. So I went into this new one with super low expectations, even though the trailer got me kind of excited yeah. for it. I was going to just say, I'm going to have to stop you there, Brooker, because yeah. I think most people don't know Slash couldn't give a shit about Hellraiser. And it's very sad because... I'm really sorry. I just kind of... Hellraiser's a big passion film of mine. I, I, love I loved it. it for a long, long time. You love it. But I think most people probably don't know what it is. If you talk, you know, talk about like classic 80s horror or late 70s or even early 90s, right? If we're talking about, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street and they go, oh yeah, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, on, you know, Friday 13th. Oh, Jason with the, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like that, that's people know what they are. But if you say Hellraiser, the only thing that people I reckon know is Pinhead. And they yes. only know it because he is culturally an icon. Um, yes. So everybody from- knows Pinhead through cultural, cultural osmosis without actually knowing the film. Precisely. And I think people yeah. don't know anything about those films. You know, they don't know the story. They don't understand. Like they go, "Oh yeah, is it? Isn't it the one that's a bit like sex and violence?" And you're like, "Yes, but there's but. a point." <laughs> yeah, it isn't just you know, guys in sort of you know Soho London esque sex shop <laughs> clothes. It's yeah, it is that, but that's not it. That's not all of it. You know, and I think what's what's interesting about this one, this new Hellraiser, is that. It's nothing really to do with the previous films. So even if you, no. if you if you have only ever known Hellraiser as oh that's that weird sex thing from the eighties with the guy with all the pins in his face, it's like yeah that's that's that film. You fine it, if that's your opinion of Hellraiser and you don't ever want to watch it because that's all you think it is. Fine, don't watch that. Yeah. But watch this one because this isn't connected to that. This is completely no, new. Not. It is a remake in the sense that it's doing Hellraiser again, but it's doing Hellraiser differently. And I think because the first one is very much, Clive Barker was the author, right? And he's very well-known, sort of horror writer. And that all was like basically his film. It was Clive Barker's Hellraiser. This, I think, has its own, it has something new. Uh, It's set in the modern day. It's not set in like the 80s like the other one was. They haven't tried to just do that completely again. All the beats are completely different for this and i think a lot of them work i think where this is mainly differs isn't so much in like the cenobites like the the demons that we've talked about the angels of death and all that well if that's yeah. really even what they are you know this kind of focuses more on the addict riley at the, the sort of heart of this film who's struggling with her own sobriety and 
She ends up stealing a box. So maybe that's something else people remember from Hellraiser, but probably not. It's like the, the, the configuration box, the landmine configuration box that's sometimes referred to as. She steals that with her boyfriend. They don't know what it is. And loads of people die, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they get chased for it by the Cenobites. But it's, it's shifted the tone of what the focus of the film is. Like in the previous film, you could sort of say that Christie, Christ, oh, I can never remember her name, Kirstie or Christie? Kirstie. Kirstie is yeah. the, 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 the sort of younger daughter in the original film, right? Everything that she does is to save somebody else. It's to do something for a dad or, you know, her stepmom's a bitch and yada, yada, yada. This film, everything that she does is her, through her, she has her own agency, which I don't think previously the protagonist had. Um, And I really like the original Hellraiser and, you know, Hellbound Heart, the sequel. But this has a better central character. Also, I thought until I went and looked at the reviews on IMDb and was like, oh, nobody else has this opinion. (laughs) This isn't shared. (laughs) I've, I've not read any reviews. My shot we were talking about with Ghostbusters earlier, this is a property that people are just so, so precious about. The very second you saw a trailer for it, oh no, you've made, you made Pinhead a girl, bring back Doug Bradley, yada, 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 yada. Hey. And without thinking that Doug Bradley is a 65-year-old yeah. man, he does not want to be playing Pinhead anymore. No. I, saw, I saw a review with Jamie Clayton. She said it t- took four hours to apply the makeup and then another hour to get it off again. Yeah. If you're a 65 year old man who's done this you like nine times already, you ain't doing yeah, that. Yeah, you ain't doing that. Fuck no. that. Absolutely not. Whereas Jenny she, Clayton nails it. She she's the is. She, she's outstanding. Yeah. Did you like. Nail- when we saw the trailer for it, but I did like it. Thank I was, you. I was, I was trying to get <laughs> something better. Like yeah. <laughs> when you saw the trailer for it and you hear her voice, and I was like, oh, this. Yeah. I genuinely got chills. Yeah. Uh, it made me super excited. But. When you see her in this film, she is, she delivers everything so well. And the, and the thing is, right, you're right. When a lot of people, a lot of people might not realize what Hellraiser is, there, there are going to be, a, there's going to be a portion of people who don't understand that actually Hellraiser is not about the Cenobites, these demons. That exactly. Come out of the exactly. Box. They don't realize that that's not what these films are about. They're about, you know, the, the family dramas. Mm-hmm. The box just happens to be a part of it. And that's, that plays out, in my opinion, very much the same. Obviously, it's not the family drama. There's the addiction angle uh, with uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hellraiser 22. But it almost plays... I, and I, I've got to do this carefully so I don't spoil <laughs> anything. Yeah. It, for me, it almost plays like a slasher film. Yes. There is a central killer in this film. The central killer in this film is the box. Yeah. And what the box is doing. The fact that the Cenobites are called by this box is immaterial. It's the box doing the work. Mm-hmm. And but, but I think it's Riley doing the work. Like she knows what happens every time it gets used. Yeah. And I think that's where the, like, it's her. And again, I'm not really intending to spoil this, but there is a point in the film where the responsibility of who's controlling what's happening becomes very apparent and that's what i liked about her character because there was growth from the through the whole thing she changes and this she's making decisions and i thought actually 
it's one of the things you don't get very much in horror films, particularly, no. I think, a lot of modern horror films. And that's very, well, not, no, that's not fair. A lot of older horror films, too, don't really have that. They just have, you know, cookie cutter characters. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah, but people just want to watch the Cinnabites. It's like, yeah, but yeah. in this film, you know, Pinhead, the priest, Jamie Clayton's character doesn't even appear until what, like the midway point? Yep. So, and even then it's just like kind of almost off screen. There, there, are, there are parts of it that I think they're there for fan service only. And you open the scene, the first time you see the chains, you don't see Pinhead, you see chains. If you know Hellraiser, you know one is synonymous with the other. Yes. But if you don't, it's just somebody being chained and tortured. Yeah. It's, there is a bit of fan service there for people like you and me. Uh-huh. There's also a little bit there for people who have read the book. I don't know if you've read the book. I have. Yeah. Uh, Long time ago. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there are bits in there from the book. Again, a lot of that comes from the genderless priest. Yeah. It's a very androgynous character and it always has yeah. been. Um, always has been, but always was always was described as talking like a female. Yes. Yeah. Very uh, sort of effeminate voice or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Which, which again, I think Jamie Clayton, obviously with a little bit of audio work, uh, but she sounds like a tortured female demon. Yeah. Yeah. Without, without being a tortured female demon. Uh, I, but I think like the, the, the agency in that you talk about, I think we get that in some horror films now, most importantly, from the other two horror films that David Brockner has recently made. <laughs> Which I haven't actually seen, but... Have I've, you not? No, but I've heard uh, good things. I, I recommend them both. Yeah. Uh, so he made uh, The Night House, uh-huh. which was excellent. Uh, it's currently on Disney+. Plus, and he made, I've forgotten the name of the other one, The Ritual. Yes, he did. The Ritual, uh, which I think is on Shudder. But, yeah. uh, but both, you get that agency and that kind of, that, that, uh, yeah. that feeling for the main character in those as well. He was the perfect guy to make this film. Steve, in... Yes. So Hellraiser is obviously, it's not, but it is, but it isn't. But it is, but it isn't. But it is a horror remake. And in the last, but it isn't. But, but in the last, I think the last episode of Fail Critics that was actually published, did you, was it the one where you were talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix? Let's say it was. Old man, yeah. Old man, leather face. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, it was. What was I saying about it? (laughs) I don't think you were particularly fond of it. I think, from what I recall, you and Tony hated it. Or maybe hated is harsh. And Matt Lamborn um, of this parish was very much fine with it. I don't think he disliked it half as much as you guys. Those kind of films aren't my kind of film anyway, like yeah. slasher films. They just, they don't do anything for me. If I want a, a sort of slasher in my, is part of the horror genre, if I want something, a horror film, I want something that's going to freak me out. Uh-huh. I want something that's going to make me not be able to sleep at night. You know, once I've watched it, I'm like, no, I can't sleep now. There's not many horror films of any type that will do that. But I recommend slash- The Ritual and The Night Happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slasher films just never really done it for me. They're just a bit, yeah. I don't know. So, Without- so, so would you, would you, if you were going to go for a horror film, you wanted something to freak you out, would you go for like a yeah. Hellraiser, which is slightly more, I would say, uh, and this is one of my criticisms of it, slightly too far into the torture porn area. Mm. Um, 
Or would you go for something that's more like, I don't know, paranormal activity or... I would probably steer more towards paranormal activity or that kind of thing. I know there's a lot that's happened with paranormal activity since Mm. the first one, but the first one, genuinely, when I first saw it, me and a load of friends from uni went to the cinema to watch it, then went home and watched ghost videos on YouTube, and then (laughs) none of us could really sleep because there were strange noises coming from our loft. (laughs) So, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's the... Is it called the... Like the alien abduction film is set in a, the fourth kind, was it? Set in Alaska? Oh, the Miljovovich one. That's, yeah, yeah. That yeah. one kind of had that effect on me as well. It's more that kind of thing than straight out torture porn, hey. blood, guts, gore, people getting hacked to pieces. That's just like, might be a bit grim, like, ooh, but it's not really. Yeah. I get, yeah. I totally understand that. And I would say that, that as a horror film, that this Hellraiser isn't scary like the yeah. previous oh, hell no. race it was this one is much more thinky i think you know i think there's more to interpret a huge amount of symbolism in almost every frame and i think it's really interesting to watch it and i enjoyed that aspect of it but i think what it tries to do is it's it stops trying to be particularly scary and instead goes well we'll just make it super gory and you know, come up with all these twisted ideas around like machines that pulled your nerves like string through or like spooling machine or whatever. It's like that yeah. was bananas as well. Oh, like, it's that, so that looked like a saw trap. Th- yeah, but like supernaturally <laughs> so. And I think all yeah. of those kind of creative things to it are fantastic, and I really enjoyed that vis- from a visual and creative perspective. But at no point did I think really this is skip. There was a needle that went through somebody, and that was quite gruesome. Um, yeah. But I think that is probably the, the biggest fault I had with this film, as opposed to it being a fault of the film, is it wasn't trying... Maybe it was trying to be scary, and I'm just this, like, I've seen this too many times kind of thing, I, but... I don't think it was trying to be scary. Okay, maybe I think it, it was. Maybe, tra- maybe I am a bit jaded, but... Sorry, go on. Yeah. I was just going to say, I just think it veered too far towards the, the torture porn stuff. And not only did it go too far that way, uh, it was too repetitive with that. So, like, by the time that you get to some of the stuff in the end, it's not, it's no impact on some of it. Because, like, yeah. it's happened so much in this film already. If you aren't desensitized yeah. to it already, um, well done yeah. you. But I think most people watching are going to be horror fans and probably aren't going to find it that uh, yeah, unsettling. Yeah, I think I would give you that. I think uh, uh, torture porn is a genre that I lean quite heavily into. I'm a big torture porn fan. But I, I do get what you mean. When you, when you get the, without spoiling anything, when you get the final bit of torture in yeah. that movie and it all looks amazing and it looks super it's painful incredible to and look it at, looks yeah. incredible, but you're like, Oh yeah, cool. Like I'm not going. Oh god, that's that was horrible. You're like, uh, nice. <laughs> the, 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 the what was brilliant about this film was some of the, the effects. And I know some of it is CGI and some of it is practical. I enjoyed the fact that I couldn't tell which was CGI and which was yeah. practical. Sometimes, you know, sick, I, blood bubbling up through the sink is a bit of a cliche, but it looked really good and it was shot really yeah. well. It was the lighting was fantastic. That's a very I, again I, nerdy thing to say. Um, I liked the monsters. I, I thought the monsters were great. I was going to come I on liked, to that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, we'll go on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. I mean, I was just like, because you just, yeah, the, cen- the Cenobites, the design of them, what 
I liked the design of them apart from the priest, apart from Pinhead. The, really? the facial stuff is great and it all looks like as a practical effect, fantastic. But the design of the body piece was a bit, it, it reminded me of a pastry case. <laughs> the opinion I, 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 the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it looks like a strawberry tart from the first week of Great British Bake Off. It's like kind of the twisted lattice style. I was like, yeah, it doesn't like, I know that it's not going for the bondage gear look and that's great that they're doing something different. And it is again, going back to this torture porn thing is more visually yeah. gruesome. But the, the stuff on Pinhead, I wasn't so keen on. Apart from the head, which looked great. The yeah. But what was your, did you like the did you like the all, design? All, all, I thought all of the Cenobites, they all looked amazing. In as much as I like said, they're not going for the bondage thing anymore. They're not. Yeah, uh, you look at the older Hellraisers; they're all wearing leather, and mm. you can see bits of their skin torn through bits of torn leather, like with original mm -hmm. Pinhead. But with all of the Cenobites in Hellraiser Twenty Two. Their costumes, in air quotes, are all made up of their own skin. Mm -hmm. So they've been they've been turned inside out. They've been bits ripped off of them, and 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 it just it looks horrific. And I mean, you say it looks torture porny. I agree, <laughs> but I think it's a positive. Yeah. <laughs> Does I mean the set of like, some of them, like the one thing you can see the vocal cords move in and all that stuff. It's like that's yeah. great. <laughs> that is it really ingenious, well-designed, perfectly suited bit of practical effects. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's CGI. I don't know. I can't New tell. Chatterer looked awesome. Yes. New Chatterer yeah. was massive Chatterer as well. Back. But there's a kind of new-ish, or at least yeah, variations so, so, of... So Chatterer and the Priest are the only ones that have been before. Yeah. The others are all new. But I mean, you always look sort so, you could sort of go, that's probably that one. But yeah, I mean, yeah. we don't we don't have a butterball mm. in this one. No, we don't. We don't. Yeah, you know, there's no butterball in this. But there is obviously female Cenobite, which is what she was in one and yeah. two. She was just called the female Cenobite. Uh, we have a one of those, and she she looks and sounds great. I think I personally think that the priest is the standout, and I think that's done on purpose. Obviously, like we said. Cultural osmosis, everybody knows who Pinhead is, whether or not uh, they've seen Hellraiser. Uh, so, so a big deal has to be made for that. I think Jamie Clayton did really well. I think when Jamie Clayton delivered the line that's from the book and from the film, uh, from the original film, genuinely got shivers. Yes. I genuinely, I was like, did that, I didn't expect it. It's a little bit of fan service. You have to know the book or you have to know the film yeah. inside out to catch it. Because the wife didn't get it. She really? had no idea. She, oh, yeah. She's watched Hellraiser with me a few times, but she's never read the book. She's not that big a fan of the series. You know, I, I, think, I think Maya is very much what happens if you come to a series like Hellraiser in yeah. 2010. I, I, yeah, I must have shown it to 2010, maybe 2012. So at that point, it's 30 years old. Yeah. You know, it's... It hasn't aged. It's not. It's not a film that you. It's not a film that you can watch thirty years after it came out for the first time and get the effects that we would have had yeah. watching it ten years after it came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's just not that kind of film. No, 
it, it, like we were talking about Ghostbusters, I think if I had to rank it, I would quite easily put it up there as my second favorite, like genuinely yeah. behind number two. Uh, uh, I think number two above it. Yeah, just, just yeah. barely. But I'm a big fan of the things that happen in number two. Again, from a story perspective, I'm a big fan of number yeah. two. But I, one of my favorites of the year so far. Oh. I've had a really good year this year. Once a month, I get to say this film is one of my favorites of the year. Uh, <laughs> and genuinely mean it as well. And yeah. Hellraiser is absolutely up, though. I, I fucking adore it. I'm glad I spent my 12 quid to buy it because I'm going to watch that over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. there you go. Yeah. Oh, and before we round up this episode, have you seen anything new that you want to? No, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to do Hellraiser. I think, Brooke, are you, have okay. you seen Black Adam? I have seen Black Adam. Black hey, Adam's okay. Okay. It's there we okay. go. We've it's, got that in there. It's, it's totally all over the shop. It is a DC superhero movie with The Rock. That yep. is all you need to know. Yeah, I've got nothing to get. Like, I like D. I've defended DC films on here before because they. They've I, got, I like. I like DC films. And we're going to get more Henry Campbell Superman. Apparently, we are. Apparently, yeah. That's the thing. I, I, have, I, I have questions that need to be answered in the next one or two DC movies if it plays out the way it played out at the end of Black it's Adam. Just DC, you know. They've changed the name. Yeah, well, well, DCEU, DC University, it, it, it's whatever just, they want to fucking call it. Yeah. James Gunn's going to be running it. What in the fuck? Yes, James but, Gunn is going to be running it. <laughs> which could be good news, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, but that's, that's all I had. I, I, I haven't got anything new to plug for films I've been watching, but I have got a new podcast episode. I'm going to just very sneakily put that out there because... I do. Um, I produce podcast with a couple of comedians, Darren Harriet and Ishan Akbar, and it's like out. It's called Shame Is Delicious, and so that's a lot of fun. It's also on YouTube if you want to watch that and have that as a new release on the podcast one week. There you okay. go. It's so smooth and seamless. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us, um, and thanks for listening. Hopefully, we can do some more of these again in the future. Um, but yeah, for now, that's always me. This, is, this has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah been great back in the in the chair like we've never been away yeah so yeah thanks owen and uh brooker for joining us uh joining me and yeah hopefully we can do something again like this soon